and welcome back to Vox Podcast, the weekly pseudo-academic roundtable pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-host, Hannah and Monica. Hey guys, it's early in the morning. How you doing? I mean, it's noon. <laughs> it's early in the morning. That's super early for me. It's nine. It's a city. That, that, that comment was at Mav, not at Uma. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's. I don't know. I've. I'm tired. I. I was up late, frequently up late. But then I watched. I watched a lot of movies for today last night. So we'll see. I'm super tired. <laughs> it's, I'm not. A, I'm not a morning person. I think this has been discussed before, particularly on a weekend. So, but it's what yeah. I worked out for everybody. So I, I will say that I think I made my comment out of bitterness and jealousy. Not in superiority because I've been awake since six because a cat screamed and I'm just so tired <laughs> from moving that I just would like to sleep one night. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Is one of your cats so, or someone? Yeah, yeah, like like they they want food and attention and like since we moved to the new place, Siegfried in particular has just been like, where am I? What's mm-hmm. going on? But he likes the windows, so okay. progress. Yeah, I'll settle in. <laughs> How are you, Monica? I'm good. I really kind of sounds like my MO at this point, right? <laughs> I, I think this is actually my first time that I get to play dumb guy on an episode, despite Aww. being a host for, what, almost two years now. Oh my gosh, guys. Time really flies, <laughs> but i um, excited to be, be dumb guy and to have not done the homework. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. What, let's see how it goes. What's the topic? I believe Hannah. Yeah, the, 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 this was just me being like, "Hey guys, you know how all I've done this summer is like move into a house and like fix it up, but also go to the movies." Mm-hmm. We haven't talked about Pixar yet. <laughs> I went and saw Elemental. Who wants to talk about Pixar? Which, I saw- yeah, did. I, I saw Elemental yesterday. In fact, the, what are your thoughts? I liked it, I guess. I, it was a little slower than I wanted. I didn't love it. It was fine. <laughs> I liked the end a lot. I thought the end ending was cute and warm and touching. And But like just the main plot of like, I mean, I guess mild spoilers for Elemental. The main plot of trying to find the water break didn't care at all. And that's like, and it's really only a plot so as to get you into this love story. But I just did not care about their structure plot. So I was like, kind of a, can we move this along? Can you fall in love? Come on. I, I guess I've watched too many Parks and Rec episodes because I was like, yeah, let's talk about. <laughs> Fair enough. But anyway, before we get too far into Pixar, and uh, this isn't just about Elemental, though I guess there will be spoilers for various Pixar movies so that you know what you're getting into. We will spoil various Pixar movies, but it's uh, in general, we're going to talk about Pixar in general, not necessarily just Elemental. So if you haven't seen Elemental, I think you're still fine to listen to the episode, but we haven't recorded it yet, so we'll see. But anyway, before we get there, Monica, you brought us a guest. Yeah, I guess so. It's true that I didn't entirely not do my homework. What I did is I brought someone else who did their homework that I could copy off of, right? Um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm Janine, and uh, in my program at Theater and Performance Studies at UCLA. And one of the very first things I learned about Janine, how much Janine loves Cars, the franchise. And so when I heard that we were doing a Pixar episode, was like you would you like to come spread the good word of cars 
and Janine was down. So Janine, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me, Monica. Thanks guys for having me. Absolutely. So you unapologetically love cars and Monica was trying to like also sort of not make fun of you there was hiding her love of Fast and Furious. <laughs> yeah, unapologetically, unironically. I love it. Yeah. Interesting. Does this expand? Does this extend all the way to planes or is it just the Cars franchise? I actually I've not seen planes. Okay. Yeah, I'm a bit of a purist, maybe. Fair enough. <laughs> but okay, so we'll, we'll talk probably a little bit about cars, though I've only seen I think one of those. I think I saw the first one. I don't even remember. And then Cars was completely unmemorable to me. So, but you know, <laughs> H- Hannah, what did you have in mind when you suggested this? So, so there for whatever reason, and I it's, to be fair, it's been going on since a lot of things with Pixar have happened. Like they there was always like this you know, like, oh, Pixar is like the place you go for a great animated film. Like, a Pixar movie gets released. Don't even try other animated films. They're winning the best animated picture. I'm over-exaggerating for effect, but there it is. Like, all you know, all the movies, like 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, guaranteed. Yep. Also exaggerating for effect. And Pretty then, close, like, though. Pretty close, yeah. actually. And then, like, people started, like, this discourse of, oh, no, they've become, like, just, like, corporate. Like, there's so many sequels now, which is funny, because, like, their third movie is a sequel to Toy Story, like, from 1999. (laughs) So, like, they've had sequels a while. And then there was, you know, this discourse after John Lasseter left for very good reasons, and, like, I think this discourse is cool. But, like, John Lasseter was Pixar, like, creatively they're dead without him and like it he was everything like no and like also like art doesn't need to be made through suffering and like toxic work environments and like stop it and then there was like you know discourse after like the pandemic hit and onward came out and was like oh no like pixar has been relegated to like disney plus no one will care about pixar anymore and then, like, Lightyear didn't do so great at the box office, and Elemental has, like, opened like super low, even though it seems to have had good word of mouth, mm-hmm. which makes sense, because I really liked Elemental. Actually, I thought it was like, the surprise of the summer. <laughs> Are you and, the good word of mouth? You're, like, literally, no, it's just you? <laughs> I, no. Just, like, audiences actually seem to really like yes, it, it and be surprised. And I was, I think, in general, I was kind of right when I predicted box office. Like maybe it won't open the highest, but like it'll have legs because like of family films and you know it'll pull a puss in boots and like maybe it won't be as good as puss in boots. It still might lose money because of how high the Pixar budget is, but like you know. So and then like there has have been some like articles about Pixar that have come out like, you know, kind of downing on Elemental because like it also opened at Con and like didn't get like the best reviews from critics at Con, but better than Indiana Jones Five. So you know, people were like, "Are people like sick of sentimental Pixar? Like, can you just do this formula over and over again? Is the Pixar brand dead? Like, what is a Pixar brand? Like, is this film too similar to something like Inside Out or Soul?" And the Jackman wrote the super salty article I sent to the group chat that was like. Elemental is like all Pixar propaganda and it just wants to trick children into working hard and like becoming <laughs> like a cog in the machine of capital. So, so this is all to say like 
you know, there there's a lot of conversation in the ether going around about like, what is Pixar? Is Pixar any good anymore? Do we still care? Is it still relevant? Blah, blah, blah. So like, there are so many threads we can take this conversation. And like Pixar has been a culturally important staple and we've never done a show about it. So that's my big spiel. And I present it to you, our panel, and you can <laughs> take it where you want it. <laughs> so Elemental was one of the movies I saw yesterday. I watched Elemental and then I came home and watched the entire Toy Story series because it turned out my wife had never seen any of them. So I've gotten, I don't know. I mean, I'd say maybe I'm sick of Pixar, but that's because I've watched, you know, the last 12 hours of my life was watching it, <laughs> but I'm not really sick of it. I actually enjoyed, enjoyed myself for the entire time. I do think there's something to the idea that there is a Pixar fatigue, but I think that is of the making of the studio and of the expectations of the audience of trying to place Pixar in a box. We were talking offline about whether or not Pixar is trying to become its own genre. And I don't know that it's trying to, but I think that anytime they do something that is even remotely thematically similar to Inside Out, it gets put in that bucket. And I don't know that's fair because I really think it's only three movies that even remotely fit there, which is the abstract concepts with life. And that would be, I guess you'd say it's Inside Out, it's a soul. And it's this and this isn't, you know, this is fire and water talking. This is not even I would say this is very far from what Soul and Inside Out, both yes. of which I like, by the way, I actually liked both of those films and I like, like this one. I think this is very different from what this what those are trying to do, other than the fact that, you know, they just sort of look like abstract creatures. I think that's the only thing that really makes them makes this one even remotely related. Yeah. So I would yeah. love to throw in that the reason that these might look similar and the reason that we're starting to feel the fatigue is maybe the company structure of Pixar itself. Um, just mm -hmm. knowing um, of my professional acquaintances is um, Jim Bianco, who's the um, Tui, right? And, and with Pixar mm -hmm. for a really long time. And the way that he's described the working style of Pixar itself is um, necessarily with one project um beginning to end the entire time um Pixar as a company mm -hmm. is um really nebulous for you to switch from team to team and they have multiple projects all going at various stages of development at the same right. time so that you can always have one project that can be released on like a calendar because animation takes so much longer than a traditional film to actually put out um mm -hmm. some of that is obviously more accelerated now that they've been bought by Disney, now that they have way more employees. It's a lot easier to actually put out one film a year. And frankly, sometimes when you're forced to put out more things faster, not all of your ideas are good. They don't sit as long in the workshopping stage. There's less of that chance for checks and balances. But also, when you have a bunch of the same team working on all of your projects, there is a tendency to then be inspired by the thing that you were just previously working on or the conversations for you to be having to become something that feels more like a co-working space that's blending together. And when you had less projects, it was able to keep that distinct identity between them a bit easier, right? Like we, the idea of something like 
Toy Story and A Bug's Life and The Incredibles and and Tui, they all feel really and different in a way that all of these films that are about like existentialism don't, right? Because that's kind of the best mm. way that I can feel like to describe these. Um, and these and, the, yeah, and I and think the, that there is something to say about um, him is ruining it by making us crank out more of them faster. Mm-hmm. But I also think that they can't be blamed the thing is, though, on this idea of like, right. this is always how Pixar has been set up since the beginning in terms of its company infrastructure. And, and you're mad at Pixar for just continuing to Pixar. Like, that was always going to happen. <laughs> and that's kind of my thing, right? Because so people talk about it like, oh, well, you know, Disney ruined them. <laughs> Go check. Pixar only has six films that aren't from Disney proper. And they were in league with Disney even for those six. Right. Like so the so they've been owned by Disney since 2006, since Cars. And the, you know, so it's not Disney doing anything. It's like, like Monica said, it's Pixar's gonna Pixar. But also, I don't think that, like, the movies that are about kitty existentialism, that's really only two of them. I mean, I'd say it's Inside Out and it's, and it's Soul. Yes. Yes. Elemental's not that at all. Elemental's, I mean, like it or hate it, Elemental is a cute little love story about, Two two creatures who are, I mean, yes, they're abstract concepts, but they might as well just be aliens, given the way the story, like the story fits, or they could just be, you know, a black girl and a white guy or whatever, right? Like, I mean, it's a story about falling in love across a racial divide. That's what it's about. And it just happens to be fire and water. Right. And like, and the Pixar is actually never in my mind, a romantic comedy before. It's taken them since to 2023 to actually put out a story where, like, the romance is the main focus. There have been romances before, mm-hmm. but, like, that, like, like, The Incredibles, like, that is not the foreground of that film. Like, I mean, like, there, there's a romance in it. That's not the foreground of that film. Like, the most, like, romantic thing we've gotten... Toy Story 4. Up. Well, I was gonna say up. See, up, I say and, no, because she's dead. The entire I was movie. gonna say, but it's only yeah. four minutes. Like it's yeah. only four minutes, and there's no like Toy Story four. You're right. Like there's kind. Of, I will just get this hot take out of the way and say I hate Toy Story four. Oh, like is this the monster? I hate it. I hate it. No, I just there was a there's if you want to talk about re- repetition, there was just a series of Disney and Pixar films: Toy Story four, Wreck It Ralph two, Frozen two, where like if you boil the story down. It, but all of them end with being like, you know what? Your best friend, your sister, like sometimes you just have to be away from each other and we're just going to choose to separate you. And sometimes it makes more sense with the plot and like it seems like a natural thing. And sometimes it's like, but what if we just broke these characters up for funsies? Like it's like, you know, like the end of Wicked. And I just didn't like, I thought that Toy Story 4 ending was extremely manipulative and didn't have to happen that way. And cars. made no sense. Cars are romantic comedy. To me. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is quite romantic, but I also, yeah, I don't really think that's like a central, like, driving plot. Just because. So you're saying, I mean, I guess we have to distinguish that, right? Like, does it, and I, this is actually a, an exercise I've given to 
to students when I teach freshman writing. I make them as a definitional essay. I make them one day define what a romantic comedy is. And then I always argue, you know, the one that I make them think about is Frozen because I know they've all seen it. And, you know, it's a love story. It's just that it's not like a sexual love. It's the love between two. I mean, there are sexual components, obviously, with, you know, Kristoff and with Hans. But the true love story between being between Anna and Elsa, does that make it a romantic comedy? So I've made I've done that. And does cars count? I mean, just because they're like, is it enough to say that it's a rom-com because it's a comedy that involves a romance? But because I'd argue that's, you know, 90 percent of American film. Right. That's some kind of romance in it. So I don't know. I was just going to say, like, it's like his journey is like more about him, like coming to terms with himself, right. you know? Right. And there's so, a girl there, but not. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's not like the point of his story for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess I'll correct myself and I say, I guess Wally counts as a romantic comedy. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Like, Wally's not funny. No, Wally, Wally's a serious drama. Yeah, Wally's just like, a romance. I, I think it's Wally. Wally yeah. yeah, I, I think all of them. Maybe Wally makes <laughs> it <bad> the most. <laughs> I I can't watch. I think I forgot about Wally. It's just I, and like I guess like you know, Elmo's like more of the romantic comedy, and Wally's like more of the romance against like the end of the world. But like I can't watch Wally. It's like too. It's like a preview of my future. <laughs> Maybe you think you're going to be wrecked on the earth? <laughs> what, do you, what do you know? I'm just like, you know, just thinking about like how like AI and like the climate oh. change and like constant like consumerism and like the dirty air in the world. And it's like every year it's like I feel like I'm getting closer and closer to my floating chair, you know? Okay, let's change the subject before we get to the <laughs> I feel like I'm Barbie in the trailer and I'm like, hey, you guys, have you ever thought about dying in the middle of a party? I mean, you know, getting at something, which is we're all changing the subject because we got to the point of Pixar where Pixar tries to make us cry and they're so good at it, right? Like, every one of those, but at yeah. the same time, there's something about, like, sometimes I avoid a Pixar movie I don't want to cry and because I know it's going to force me Sit through these feel and th- because there's something about is an emotionally devastating journey, which they're going to force me to have a bunch of feelings mm-hmm. that I didn't want to have when I sat down to have kitty existentialism. Like I, I don't know, maybe. Well, no, maybe that's what is kitty existentialism mm-hmm. is, and that maybe that's why I don't like those movies. Um, but <laughs> I'm just saying that, that, that is we that is a lot put on an audience. I don't think that other films necessarily do just based on the intensity of emotion that Pixar tries to pull out of you within such what is usually a very tight 90 minutes because it's for children. Like it it just feels like a more intense experience. And I think that that's part of why we're tired feeling a lot of things and then Pixar is forcing us to feel more of them faster. It's like a panic attack in the theater. <laughs> well, that's interesting because isn't that kind of what like cinema is about or like the narrative arts is like 
you sign up to go there and you are like put through an experience of emotions. I think so. I mean, I really liked Elemental because given it's, you know, sort of lackluster the level of how it's doing, it was getting good word of mouth, but like just because no one was going to see it at first. And it's actually, by the way, it looks like it's picking up a bit over the, over the week as time goes on, because Hannah said it is getting good word of mouth. I actually wasn't expecting it to be as good as it. And it, it really is. It's an emotional journey. And I don't know. Like, I think people will often say what Monica did, like, you know, do I really want this out of my children's movie? But on the other hand, we're like 30 Pixar movies in. I, do we really consider them children's movies anymore? I mean, I like, like I looked at that and I knew, oh, okay, they're going to do a rom-com and it's a rom-com about, you know, an interracial relationship, which I've been in, right? It's the, it's about issues with your family. It's about it. Like I, I liked the journey and I think I agree with Janine. I think I go to, you know, the Vita or cinema or whatever in order to, be taken on that journey and it certainly did that right just because it's a cartoon you know we're always saying cartoon doesn't mean it's for kids and i get that this kind of sort of is a little bit for kids but i think it's only a little bit for kids i think this is mostly a very grown-up movie i mean like i do sort of maka's like question like are we tired of pixar because like they demand we cry like, is this like a change? Because the original Toy Story has some very emotional moments. You know, like, I think if you are a older child and you have like a younger sibling and like you're dealing with what that means, like you can relate to that. A Bug's Life. I cry at the end of A Bug's Life. Who doesn't mm. love like collective worker action yeah. and like taking down <laughs> Kevin Spacey, the grasshopper? I cry at everything now. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't care. Um, I didn't care for a bug's life. I think bug's life is underrated, which also like goes back to like that conversation. People are like, is Pixar creatively like, you know, done? Like people didn't like a bug's life when it came out. They thought it was very meh. And it was movie number two. Yeah. Toy Story (laughs) 2 is the third movie. And like that whole sequence with Jesse, tears, Monsters, Inc. When Boo and Kitty... I know his name is not Kitty. It's Sully. <laughs> but when Boo and Sully say goodbye, here's Finding Nemo is the next one. First opening sequence. Oh my God. The Incredibles. I, I think you can argue for many places where you could cry at The Incredibles. And they originally, I remember watching the bonus DVD footage. Like originally they were going to kill off like the pilot. And then they just like wrote that character out of like the plane that they borrowed to go to the island. Like, Again, they were always planning to make you write cars. A lot of people don't like cars. I do like cars, actually. I don't actually remember if I've seen the sequels, but like, I cry at cars. Like, Route 66, tears. I, again, I cried at it. But like, you know, I keep going on the list and it's like, there are emotional moments in all these movies. And is there like a shift where they're like purposely making you cry or do the stories just develop like that because they're dealing with things that make people feel? Janine, do you cry at cars? I have cried. <laughs> so people make fun of it, but Cars is actually the most successful franchise that that Pixar has. I mean, it's and by franchise, I'm saying not just across cinema. There's more Cars media 
and merchandise than anything else Pixar has ever done. Toy Story is probably second. There are four Toy Story movies. There are four cinematic Cars movies, I believe, right? Uh, um, including Planes? No, actually, there's only three, apparently. Yeah, yeah and, three. And, and there's Planes, but then there's also been a bunch of like side projects and you know, made-for-DVD stuff, right? So it's up there. Cars is up there with Toy Story. And I don't know. I mean, I like it's weird because I actually don't didn't cry at cars and I didn't love it. It was fine. But it's weird to me that everybody says that it's the same thing over and over again and yet sort of discounts the movies that aren't that right. Like like another one, The Good Dinosaur. People did not like The Good Dinosaur. So that's doing something different. Definitely. Right. So what do you, you know, what do you want exactly? People didn't like Lightyear. Lightyear was doing something different. I mean, even when we're going to talk like sequel wise, right? Like Toy Story was really good at continuing to give you Toy Story. But Cars 2 is just a spy thriller. <laughs> like, because they're trying to give you something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, I feel like Cars 2 is like a vehicle to crank out more merchandise, honestly. <laughs> um, it's kind of right. It's like in terms of plots, a bit like bereft and out there, mm-hmm. but they travel to like so many places and meet so many different types of cars that are quite charismatic and appealing so that they're able to like turn out toys for all of them that people are interested in getting and it's also i mean it's quite rich in terms of lore like it's an interesting like world building film but yeah the plot just like it just goes like somewhere else and then cars 3 doesn't even acknowledge it Mm -hmm. so okay it very much is trying to do a franchise i would argue similarly other than the fact that jesse is there i don't think toy story 2 is all that important to the overall journey of the characters. Hannah might disagree, but I sort of feel like Toy Story 2 is yet another adventure of the toys. And it's not like, I think it's, I think it's skippable for the overall story, even though I enjoy the film. Does that make sense? I, Janine and Mav, I think you're getting at something interesting, which is this idea of like, which Pixar films exist for, additional merchandising and which Pixar films don't because I I feel like there is a pretty clear divide between the ones that like seem to be adding things for our transmedia universe consumption and the ones that seem to stand on their own yeah Um, meaning I don't know how many toys are particularly sort of (laughs) in terms of right but but I think that there is something to be said about a lot of these other sequel films who um, kind of exist to bring other characters into the world when we talk about something even like um, story like we're going to go to an entirely new aquarium and we're going to meet a bunch of other yeah. is rather than just having adventures with our original cast like there, there is very much a we are going to add characters and Janine you're absolutely right that the great thing about adding cute little characters is then you can market all of those cute little characters I, I just i feel like that's an 
unfair expectation people put on things, right? Oh, well, this is just made for money, for marketing, for merchandising. Okay, so here's a secret. $200 million is a lot of money. And if you are marketing a $200 million film, you want merchandising because like you got to make that money back. Like $200 million is just a ridiculously high budget. And when you're talking about blockbuster film, that's where the budget is today. So not just for animation, I mean, for anything, right? People complain about Star Wars doing the same thing or Marvel movies, or it's like, yeah, we got to sell some toys because making that money back is hard. Yeah, imagine being Indiana Jones 5 and having a budget of maybe $300 million or worse, The Flash, where some people are now saying it's doing so poorly at the box office and they market it so hard, they would have lost less money dumping it on Max. Yes, they almost, and I expect they probably would have. It's like The Flash is, but even, uh, I'll take it away from the superhero movies. You know, people laughed at and made fun of Jim Cameron when he talked about how for Avatar 2, he needed to make over a billion dollars in order to break even. And like, oh, that's so stupid. It's like, no, it's not like he's he was being honest. He, you know, he spent a ridiculous amount of money on that film. And you have to split that with the theaters when you get your, you know, when you get your box office returns. So he had done the math and he's just like. Yeah, I need to gross. A, I mean, and he did. He made it. But like he was like, I need to gross a billion dollars because he also knows that unlike doing a Star Wars or a Disney or a Marvel, he's not, you know, he's not selling a lot of Avatar lunchboxes. Right. So he's trying to just make this back in the in in the theatrical market. So so I don't think Pixar, I don't think it's bad to want to like make money on merchandising for Toy Story or cars. Right. Like good for them i think you can still tell a good story and you know on some of them people sort of reject the story and on some they don't like lightyear for instance as i brought up people rejected the story of lightyear no one wanted that that's something on air for all the listeners and that's that i didn't know it was lightyear (laughs) so they made a lightyear movie i thought it was lightyear (laughs) you know like obviously he has a lot of gear <laughs> somewhere out there there's one of those rip-off animation companies that are taking notes to our podcast and I mean, like how dreamworks used to that. always put out Just an almost you. identical <laughs> animated movie a good nine months ants and shark tale ants Ants. i mean technically they're doing this with ruby gilman and i mean the little mermaid is live action but they like released ruby gilman which is about mermaids being villains like a a month ish (laughs) after little mermaid was released and uh, it's not going well for them i mean Lots of other reasons for that, but it's not going well for them. I just remember when, like, Pixar, like, I remember being, like, a teenager, and, like, Pixar was like, yeah, you go see the Pixar films, like, it's guaranteed to be good. And, like, mm-hmm. I don't think anyone, like, really took DreamWorks seriously. Like, like they were, you know, like, I, I like the Shrek movie, like, like, Shrek 2 is very fun, great soundtrack, but, like, you know, I feel like no one really took DreamWorks seriously until, like, some things like How to Train Your Dragon, and, like, yeah, and, like, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. <laughs> 
But it used to be one where I, yeah, I'm just bringing I, no, these up because I, I'm thinking about when we're like, oh, is Pixar dead? Maybe part of this is because we no longer have like a worse version of Pixar to compare it to. Like, you know, like everything looked so good when you compare A Bug's Life to Ants. And, and we no longer have like our ripoff version <laughs> onward or elemental to be like, yeah, okay, this one really is. Or we would prefer to have Pixar doing the Pixar. I, I mean, part of the ripoff version is Disney, right? I mean, it's weird because the Disney animation and Pixar animation are in direct competition even though they're owned by the same studio you know the same conglomerate like like they're just separate studios under that umbrella and it's not necessarily clear to me as the maybe i don't know maybe i'm wrong i'm guessing that it's not clear to me as an end user non-media scholar when a film is a pixar and when a film is a disney right like i okay so to pick the example we keep coming back to the three cars movies are all pixar movies the two planes movies which are direct sequels to the cars movies are disney movies i don't know why <laughs> but they are under two of them are under disney studios and the other three are under pixar studios and that's reasons why is that yeah it just is probably i mean i don't know i mean to be fair as well like there, there is like creative overlap of some kind between Pixar and Disney as well. Sure, or like sure. historically, there's been like only because he was so like integral to the company. Mm-hmm. Like John Laster, once again, is like an example. Like you know, he's on like so many Pixar films, but also like was at least some sort of producer on things like The Princess and the Frog, and like mm-hmm. you know, like like Wreck It Ralph before like. He I mean, beyond that, if you want to go back earlier, um, out of the early Pixar creative team was also Disney animators that left. Disney. Like a lot of their creative team is directly helped yeah. from like the Lion King creative team, for example. Like um, it is kind of like intrinsically in the DNA and the formula. And, and so it's interesting that we... And maybe this is because we would be feeling the same way if Disney put out a movie every year, right? Like, it's just that you can't put out quite so much of the Mm. same so quickly. I I think it's the speed of it that seems to be giving people fatigue in the same way that people are having superhero fatigue or are having um, Wes Anderson fatigue, right? Like, that it's I, I think it really has to come down to speed because when yeah, you're about a movie like Frozen, right? Like, we still a few years before Frozen 2 mm-hmm. because Disney knew that you could milk just selling kids toys for another two years because they were going to watch that movie incessantly. <laughs> I don't really think the fatigue really exists. I think that people say that. I think people like us, people who see every movie, and I don't mean like every Pixar movie. I mean, we watch a lot of movies, right? We, and we also study media for a living, right? And we're perpetually online. So I think being perpetually online and watching a lot of movies makes you think that movies are 
doing worse than they really are because you see people complaining about them. But, you know, people are constantly complaining about Marvel fatigue and like, oh, my God, look at, you know, we can see it because Ant-Man did poorly. Ant-Man did better than most movies, right? It was like one of the biggest films of that year. Guardians is still top of the box office and it's going to probably lose that spot to Spider-Verse. But Spider-Verse is also a superhero movie, right? Like, you know, even the Flash is bombing to the tune of a couple hundred million dollars, right? Like it's it's hard to say things are there's fatigue so much as maybe the flash was just a bad movie that people didn't like right um well, there were just so people, there were so many factors against the flash like we don't need right, to talk right, about it right, like yeah, yeah also the Ezra, the Ezra of it yeah there's plenty of things going on against the flash but i mean but i'm saying what i'm saying is people talk about superhero fatigue as though it weren't a two billion dollar a year industry and the you know like the fatigue is oh it's a two billion dollar industry instead of a three billion dollar industry so obviously this is suffering even though nothing else is even a billion dollars right so well, like yeah trying to and i think yeah. pixar's the same way right like pixar is the same way they've made and i didn't count but i think it's like 30 films and the last couple have been not great at the box office but they were also you know, Onward, Soul, and Luca were all released directly in the pandemic, and Turning Red and Lightyear at the tail end of lockdown, you know, to and with no marketing budget, and also well, like, that's just extenuating circuses. It's a couple of films. Yeah. To be clear, Onward was released, and then like, like things were already shut down. Like things were already shut down. Like Soul. <laughs> As far as I can remember, Luca and Turning Red didn't even hit theaters in the U.S. So, like they, like when you say no marketing budget, right. you mean like they they no just on budget. Disney Plus and like yeah. and then Lightyear did get released in theaters. And, and Elemental has like not done the best at the box office, at least straight off. But yeah, and you're right, Matt. Like it, Elemental is the 27th feature, so like basically 30 films. Mm-hmm. But I think that people are right whenever they point to Disney Plus. As part of the reason why Elemental's not doing super well, because like Disney did dump like basically three Pixar movies straight onto Disney Plus, and they were releasing like other stuff. And like I, I had a personal conversation with someone. I was like, "Oh yeah, I think you'd really love Elemental," and they're like, "Great, like it's on streaming. I can just pull it up right." And I was like, "No, it's like in the theater." And in fact, I mm-hmm. think like they're going to try for a longer theatrical run with this one, and not put on Disney Plus. So like retrain audiences i mean i think we've talked about this with marvel too right like there are so many tv shows and some of the movies were put on disney plus for same day access plus when we're talking about theatrical releases the truth is some people just have not come back to theaters some people are not here to go back to theaters because Mm -hmm. people died in the pandemic people don't want to sit in a theater because the pandemic people were already not wanting to sit in theaters because people are rude there, you know there there are a lot of things going against theaters not just like pixar movies although like they have their little special case when it comes to disney plus i mean yes theaters are expensive and you have to pay for parking at least in some markets not in mine but you know like where monica and janine live i you know it costs money to go to the movies it costs significant money for me i you know I have a VIP card and AMC has its own parking lot. So I just go and I park there and I watch a movie. It's fine. 
but like that's I don't I don't know that works for everybody, particularly on a movie like a Pixar film where you are banking on this being a family experience, you know, so you're not just buying one or two tickets, you're buying four or five tickets and food and everything else. It's a, it is a big ask to get people to come out to a theater when in a world with, you know, 60 inch televisions and projection screens at home and you know, maybe you do just wait because it's not the case that Marvel is in, right? Marvel is doing a cinematic universe that is continuing and you sort of want to watch it when it comes out because there's another film in three months and you don't want to fall too far behind. You're trying to, you know, you're trying to keep up with with a, you know, with a cultural conversation that has released dates. And even then, viewership is down elemental frankly people are probably going you know if i don't catch this for two months it'll be the same movie in two months that it is today and they're not wrong (laughs) you know like it is a reasonable expectation to be like i can pay a hundred bucks to go see this with my three kids or i can wait and watch it in you know october and instead, we'll just watch Turning Red today, and that will be fine and lovely. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point, Mav. Yeah, I have to say, I to go to the movie theater yesterday, I had to, you know, make my way through L.A. traffic and pay $9 to park at the movie theater, not to mention the $20 ticket. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah get the AMC card, because, like, seriously, 20 bucks a month, and <laughs> you'll go once a month. I don't think I go to the movies once a month. Oh, you should. Great. (laughs) But I had a question. I mean, about fatigue, like, I'm just wondering if we think, like, is there maybe just in general, like, a content and cultural fatigue from Mm -hmm. just all, like, having access to just, like, so many cultural artifacts, having so many, like, phenomena Mm -hmm. that and so much discourse that we're Mm -hmm. exposed to that like i wonder if it's possible that's not like a pixar thing or a superhero thing there's just like straight up too much stuff that we feel Mm -hmm. like we have to be conversant about to be like a part of culture i think so yeah i mean sometimes i scroll on my you know netflix or whatever and people are like you should watch this show you should watch this show this show and i'm like but what if I just watched the mummy again? <laughs> because it's like too, it's too much. Like, it, and like, at least in, in some ways, at least with elemental, it's like an original thing. Like I sat there for, you know, like an hour and a half and I didn't need to know anything. And I was like, great, good. No fatigue of like having to keep up with like 20 other characters like the MCU. But at the same time, sometimes it's like, I don't know these characters. Yeah. <laughs> I It's, which is, I guess I'm saying, like, it can be all the things. I think you're totally right. Like, there's just so much content. It's like, how are they, how are so many people making money off this content? How is this sustainable? And I think the answer is probably no, but. There are, in Elemental, and I'll try to do this without spoilers, there, the main two characters' names are Ember and Wade. And I caught Ember's name when they first introduced her. And I missed Wade's name. And I spent the next 10 minutes going, 
what the fuck is the boy's name? I don't like like the, the male character. I don't know his name. And it was really bugging me. And it's because like, like, I, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like I, he's clearly the male lead character and they will say his name again later. It'll be fine. But I, since I didn't know it and I couldn't just be like, he's captain America or Barbie or Ken, you know, you get to the point, this point where IP based movies have trained you to just sort of, be able to use shortcuts where you don't have to say Peter Parker's name every two minutes in case somebody missed it. People will pick up on it. I really did just miss. I, I just missed Wade's name for a significant portion of the movie. And that really kind of screwed with me. Similarly, there's a character in the film that is a little boy who is in love with Ember. And I don't know that I ever caught his name. <laughs> and his character is basically this is how i think you get away with it right his character is she's a teenage girl young 20 something right and there's the character of 12 year old boy who has a crush on the older 18 year old woman okay i know what your deal is <laughs> like that's basically how much effort he's given like you don't know anything about him it's like yeah he wants to date this adult woman and he's 12 and that's it. That's the, Hannah. Is there anything more to him? Like, you, do you, you know? To, yeah. Do you know so, his name? <laughs> I do, and here's why. And you'll. I think you don't know this, so I'll. I think you might find it very funny. So, like, I'll just say that like, Elemental had very bad marketing. Like, it was unfair how bland Disney made this movie look. But the character you're discussing, his name is Claude, and how okay. I know this is apparently someone in Disney was like. Claude will be the breakout character. Everyone will love him. Everyone will know his name. <laughs> so like fine. to use him to try and like start a viral marketing campaign, maybe something like hoping like it would take off like, you know, like a viral marketing campaign for like Megan or something, totally different genre, but and it didn't. And then people were like, <laughs> why? And like this character, what? Like like, you know, like showing like some very out of context like things about the movie that didn't make people necessarily want to go see it. And I was just like but why? Like, 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 <laughs> so he thought he was going to be the breakout? Yeah. He's irrelevant. He's completely irrelevant to the storyline. Yes. <laughs> he's just a 12-year-old kid. I mean, like, I get his gig. He's, you know, he's funny, but I think he's a character that works better in live action because, you know, since they're cartoon characters, she's a fire girl and he's a tree boy. And so it wouldn't work anyway. But also, like, I don't know that it registers as well as he, it, yeah. This movie tells us that perhaps it could, I mean, it won't work out because they're like separate ages. But if he found someone age appropriate who was right. not a tree girl, it could work out. Yeah, but like, I don't, you know, sure, but I don't care enough about this guy to oh, where no. I'm, and that's the, like, like maybe you get away with it if if you use so Leah Lewis is, plays Ember right and Leah Lewis also one of the stars of Nancy Drew one of the best shows on television it's not Riverdale she plays Ember and she's 25 26 in real life so if you do a live action movie where you have a 25 year old woman being hit on by a, an 11 year old boy maybe it plays a little differently than if you have a 
nondescript cartoon wait, character oh, being hit on by another <laughs> nondescript cartoon character. Like he's shorter, but that's it. <laughs> that's what you get out of it. You're like, oh, okay, the tree guy is shorter than the fire girl. I guess that makes him younger. On the age thing, I feel like all Pixar characters just kind of look like babies anyway. To me, that yeah. helps with it. Yeah, I mean, they. I think they tried to give a distinct look to Wade and Ember in this movie to to make it clear that they're older. I mean, also the movie goes out of its way to let you know that Ember is essentially. 18, 19 years old. She's, you know, like the central non-romantic plot plot with her parents is her dad is looking to retire and he's just waiting for her to show enough responsibility that he can turn over the family business to her. So like you sort of have markers to place her in an age group to where you're like, oh, I get it. You're a young woman and you want your life, but like you've got family responsibilities and you can sort of, you sort of get that. And you also get to see her grow up. Like there's a baby version of her and then there's a teenage version of her. And now you've got the 20-ish version of her. And you're like, okay, I get it. You are a young adult now. And Wade is her age-appropriate boyfriend. So you sort of get who he is. But this other kid, Claude, you're just like, I don't know you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know who you are. And I don't care. And like when Hannah says, oh, he's supposed to be the breakout. I'm like, really? I mean... I don't think this. I someone yeah, yeah, in yeah, a marketing yeah, yeah. team yeah. thinks this. It's gonna happen. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I guess because I think probably the logic was he's a kid. Kids like kids. I guess. Are, kid, are kids on Twitter? No. That was like people our age are like like you know it's like Facebook, but like for our generation. People aren't even. I mean, Twitter's. I wonder if they decided that they were going to have a Twitter marketing campaign, not understanding the trash fire that Twitter has become because like Twitter is like the last place that the children are now. And frankly, the people who are remaining on Twitter, other than people like me who are just like, wow, I really like seeing a building burn from the inside. I think most of the people who use Twitter regularly at this point to the, to where you'd, you'd be able to get a viral marketing campaign. You don't get that by having a cute little kid character. You get that by saying something vaguely racist <laughs> or transphobic. That's how you go marketing on on Twitter these days because like everyone's left. Yeah, actually, I think the only like the only reason why I knew Elemental was even happening is because I saw like a screenshot of a tweet that was like a picture of like. Did you guys see this? It's like a mural on the wall, of, like a mall where there is a fake fire extinguisher and I guess Ember's like running toward I don't know why she would be but there's like yeah the characters yeah. and like the fake fire extinguisher and then like the caption is like going to a crisp in the mall because of the I mistook the photorealistic elemental fire extinguisher yes. for real mm. <laughs> yeah like like twi- like Twitter and Reddit and like like social media has like just I think they've talked more about how terrible these marketing things have been because I saw that one too and I was like oh yeah that's a real bad like <laughs> Like, I, I feel like someone could bring, I don't know if they'd win, I'm not a lawyer, but like someone could like, <laughs> be like, I would like to sue, please, over that, you know? <laughs> I just, oh, good. So I think that what we're getting at, though, is like with this feeling so inundated with content and also this idea that like now our brains are able to make 
shortcuts a lot easier because there's so much content that's Mm -hmm. attached to other stuff. Maybe the reason that this feels like hard to buy into is because it's asking additional labor us as viewing audiences that these other things Mm -hmm. don't right to be able to have to spend that much time like explaining one character when for other films that's just a thing that you can assume and and i'm i guess i am like because this is fresh in my mind of having gone to see asteroid city last night which is wes anderson's new film like do i know who any so there's 47 characters do i know who (laughs) any of those people are I mean, I know that it's Scarlett Johansson. I know that it's Adrian Brody. What the fuck are their names? It's Tilda Swinton. You know, like it's, it does not matter. Like, because the thing that he is casting is like all his like little actor buddies for you to like make the recognition that they're all just like doing this little theatrical character piece that's like fun for everybody. Like the shortcut is that, you know, there is something about like, hey guys, you want to go like, act in this movie with all your friends and it's going to be like a funky old time like you know like there there is very little like that is being asked of us as viewership you put together an ensemble cast of very famous actors in the same way that i am like oh well that's captain america like right so here's my question because you've seen it right and i've not i i do want to see it my wife saw the poster the other day and she's like wow, there's a lot of people in that movie because, you know, the cast list is like, there's literally like 30, 40 names on the poster of, you know, of all of Anderson's friends. And I, you know, I've not seen it, but I've seen other Wes Anderson movies, so I I can make some guesses. And I'm guessing when you say Scarlett Johansson's in it, because I've seen other Wes Anderson movies, I, I, my presumption is not only does she not have a character, not only can you, having seen this movie yesterday, probably not remember her character's name, I'm guessing she's just kind of cast as kind of a Scarlett Johansson type. And he was just like, and I'll just get Scarlett Johansson for this role. And because I know her and, you know, and then I will I need a Steve Carell type over here and I'll just conveniently drop Steve Carell into the Steve Carell role and like it is taking those shortcuts right shortcuts that you're talking about rather than the shortcut of I know who Peter Parker is because I've read a Spider-Man before or I've seen a Spider-Man and I don't have to take that shortcut I don't have to take the shortcut of I understand who Maverick not me Maverick but Maverick for in Top Gun is because I've seen that other Top Gun movie I understand who Dom Toretto is because even if I've never seen a Fast and Furious movie before I know the Beverly meme, right? Like I know the meme. And so the Fast X, you are ready to go if you've never seen any other Fast and Furious movie because it relies on the fact that you have just you've seen enough memes by living on Earth that you know who these people are. And this doesn't have that. Like the Pixar movies are our work because I mean some of them do, like a Toy Story does. Toy Story four, which I just watched last night assumes that i've seen the other three toy story movies like very much so it opens in media res with like jokes about characters that aren't even in the franchise anymore and you just need to know that it also assumes that i have a general cultural awareness of kid culture in america elemental has none of this i just have to i have to do all the work and and so maybe the getting at is the laziness of pixar or the 
the thing that Pixar gets to phone it in about because they can't phone it in about anything else when they're introducing entirely new world building, entirely new characters is feelings, right? Like if they Mm -hmm. are going to get to make a shortcut about something and they are going to get to have a formula about something, because what we've established is that Mm -hmm. now everyone has this need in order to fit what we need to into like our tight 90 minute storytelling is that Pixar is like, okay, well Mm -hmm. that means that we are just going to know what sad is. We know how to make you sad. We have 30 movies (laughs) of making you sad. (laughs) All the other stuff is new. Sad is not new. I don't even know if it's lazy though. Cause they, they worked real hard. (laughs) They worked. I mean, I, I get your point. I do think that, yeah, you're right. The shortcut is, it's not even lazy. You know what it is? It's melodrama. It's like I was just that. Yeah, it's like it's like yeah, it's like 19th century sentimental melodrama where oh, if in the middle of Elemental they had suddenly announced that Bernie is the father of Ember and he appears to be sick. Like he I don't know that he's actually sick. I think he's old and they're but they're getting across the old the fact that he's old by he coughs a lot and he's just, you know, he's an old man. And if they'd been like, and he's dying of consumption, it would have been. <laughs> yeah, I just like I was thinking about melodrama too, Matt, because I'm like, we really we did there was an era where you know, like we just like really lean into these like stock character archetypes. You know, we could show up to the theater and we kind of know exactly like who these people are about and like how this is all going to play out. And we like, I don't know, I guess we like moved away from that and tried to make original characters, but we, I don't know, maybe that's just too tiring. It's too tiresome <laughs> to like try to have like original and or complex characters or like. Or, I mean, you could argue that we've always relied on stock archetypes, but then that, like, leaves room for critique, right? To say, like, oh, they're just playing off of archetypes. So maybe, like, you know, like, Marvel's really, like, onto something by being like, no, we're just going to fully lean into just having the same guys in, like, every single movie. And that's how we win. And I guess it's working. (laughs) I mean, on on the thought of Cinnamon Tell, I will say that I think Pixar has had some films, like, you do not know where the plot's going to go. Like, Ratatouille? It could end like four different places, but like sure. they really like I think do something interesting in that film, and that's why it's my favorite. You know, like like Co- like Coco though, like Coco is a great film. I loved it. There there are some twists that are like, hey, you know what this reminds me of? Oliver Twist. It's a Dickens coincidence type plot. Like this is what's happening. On- onward, like. It's sentimental, but I was actually really surprised about like how they resolved the sentimentality in the end. Like, I think there was a sentiment, like there was a twist on the sentimentality, like what you thought the movie was about. What I thought the movie was about is not what the movie is about. Uh, elemental, I think, is like 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 I think that they're like elemental and like seeing sorry, turning red, for instance, like have some like and some other films like this too have some like cultural specificity to them based on like the creatives behind the team that like. It's melodrama, it's sentimentality, but like there is something different there. And like what we haven't talked about, I think, like the conversation around Pixar when I was in high school was these are great films, but there are no films about women. And like they're not very diverse either. And then Brave came out in 2012. 
And now, okay, when you're okay, you said I'm like, is that the conversation? But yeah, when you were in high school, maybe yes, okay. In high school, school, that was the conversation. That that was years ago. I've now really dated myself. Yes, okay. (laughs) And then Brave came out, Inside Out came out, like Good Dinosaur, Elemental, Coco, Soul, Turning Red, like all these like films, like have like like something that speaks to like gender or cultural diversity like both in front of or behind the camera and mm-hmm. so like that like it's been like 10 years plus and i don't know where i'm going with this except to say like it's interesting like that we have talked about like there are some like conversations about pixar that have been repeated over the years but like th- this is one that like 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 the asking like the asking for like more like diversity, like they've actually like done, you know, they made some improvements. They, I have, of course, like like seen like some comments about Disney not doing so well at the box office because of diversity, but those are trolls and I'm ignoring them. And honestly, <laughs> you can edit this part out if you want, because I don't like to give air time to them. But you know, like there there are there is like there are, I think, more diverse voices at Pixar, even though like some people have been with the company a long time. And like, yeah. I do think that there are some differences in the story. I mean, you know, I'm like a Pixar nut and I watch like almost all of them. I think Finding Dory, Lightyear and Cars 3 are the only ones I haven't seen. <laughs> like, like there are some movies that are different. Like, like Luca, we haven't talked about. It's fairly new. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I think it was like a quieter film, but in a good way. Like, I I thought that was like really beautiful and like more personal, and uh, which is weird to say like a Pixar film is more personal when we're talking about sentimentality melodrama. But mm-hmm. Here we are. I mean, that's sort of the point of the melodrama, right? Is is there impersonal nature or the assumption of universal feeling, right? And maybe that's why I feel bothered is this like assumption that it make all audiences in in some way. Um, mm. in in the way that melodrama feels inauthentic because it is more about mm-hmm. making you feel a thing than presenting actual representation of a character that I but, I mean okay yes I agree but also I don't think that's a Pixar problem I don't even think it's a problem I think it's a thing that some people like and some people don't like because if you go and read the reviews that said that about this is just melodrama this is just sentimentality this is just being force-fed to us it is not character these are the things that they said about uncle tom's cabin (laughs) you know in in the 1860s i've read the i've read the reviews of that book and i you know it's fair but also it's just Sometimes that's what people want. You know, it's why they watch movies or read books. Sometimes like there are, there is a market for the reason melodrama is a thing is that there is a market for feeling all the feelings just as much as there's a market for, I don't know, I'm watching this cause I like explosions or I'm watching this cause I want to be horny or, you know, whatever reasons that you watch you movies right. for. Especially right. Especially like, when we're looking you know, at like, like kids movies, right. Because you're like, well, for them to learn about interracial relationships, like having a life lesson that just comes with like melodrama as being like as important, like that is an, or having a movie that is just about puberty and how all of your feelings get crazy. Like those are important movies to make. And 
it's just that I'm old and jaded and I'm like, I already know about puberty. I don't need this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I have gone through this. Yeah, well, maybe, right? I mean, it's kind of weird, though, right? Maybe that's, we always say, is this movie for you? Not everything needs to be for me. And I don't know, like, am I going to watch Elemental over and over again? No. But I'm also, you know, I'm a grown up without kids. I don't necessarily watch any Pixar movies over and over again. But I'm not going to turn this one off. I'm not going to say it was bad. It was really good. I think that, so... Hannah mentioned the article, the Jacob and article by Eileen Jones, which kind of complains that, oh, this is a movie about like trying to force people into the capitalist system. And I'm like, it's kind of not. It's a movie about like the immigrant experience and interracial relationships and, you know, how much does the capitalist system matter when you come from nothing and i think that's an important message that maybe jones missed right like like and the movie's aware of that the movie so in among other things aside from them being of different is like like they're not any specific race so leah lewis in real life is an asian american woman but like it doesn't matter the embers family are poor immigrants who own a store and Wade's family are rich, presumably upper class people, you know, or at least, you know, well to do family. And he doesn't understand what money and what ownership of a business means to her family. And the movie addresses that. That's <laughs> like, it's not just, it's not saying, hey, go work for a living. That's your only value. It's saying, you know, there's a privilege to being able to follow your dreams that isn't accessible to everybody. Not everyone gets to follow their dreams. Some people have to take over their dad's store. Also, by the way, I think this movie makes fun of sim mentality super hard. No spoilers on how it yeah. does that. But yeah. I, it really, like, it really very explicitly. Roasts. It very like, explicitly roasts, not even just sentimentality, it roasts Pixar's view on sentimentality with, you're talking about with Wade's family. Yes, of course I am. And, yeah. I, like, and Wade is a character. Like, and it probably roasts me a little bit like a caricature of someone like me who just cries at everything i cry at the nicole kidman amc commercial i remind you like i like movies and i like being in the theater and it just means so much that i can go back sometimes and like remember all the times that i had midnight yeah you know like if you try hard enough you probably could make me cry on air i don't know why i did it to myself i rewatched inside out so i could just say with certainty I guess that Elemental and Inside Now are two very different films, and they are. But also, I was like crying at like eight a.m. this morning over Bing Bong. Like, you know, like it's it's. I am a, I'm a particular self, but I also think like that article, which is like Pixar is only about finding a career and finding joy in that career. Inside Out, not about that. In fact, you could argue that Inside Out is about how careers can sometimes ruin your family and take you like, like uproot you from your community and cause like people to be emotionally devastated. It can harm children because the whole reason that Riley's family moves to San Francisco from Minnesota is her father took a new job and they're miserable. Like 
with all the life changes and he's like no longer around because he has to like meet with investors and things and, and like she's separated from all of her friends and like they all like admit that they miss Minnesota and things like turn out all right because it's like a Pixar movie and it's for children. But I was like, well, you know, actually, I think that like some of these films, you could argue are deeply like, 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 or at least hint at like some of the negative consequences of capital. And like Coco is like deeply like scary and like it's like imagination of like bureaucracy and so on. So I'm here I am defending Pixar from, you know, <laughs> which is owned by Disney, which is like giant corporation. Art. It's not that simple. So, so we've resolved nothing. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Monica, I would like you to resolve one thing before we go. Yes. Is Cars like Fast and the Furious because each movie changes its genre and it's about family and there are. It's probably why Janine and I are friends. <laughs> in, the, in the Venn diagram of Cars and Fast and Furious, Janine and I sit in the middle part. <laughs> oh gosh (laughs) i don't oh god i'm trying to i'm trying to like work through my head and decide which plot line which franchise plot line makes more sense and i think it's cars (laughs) i'm a bigger fan of fast and furious but i think the cars plot line is more logically consistent than the fast and furious plot line (laughs) as I much as i love it. cars one and three conceptually like make sense together mm-hmm. cars two is just like a just straight throw. up a, a spy <laughs> throw <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but i mean that's what fast and furious does right it's like okay you know hey we're secret agents now don't worry about it <laughs> you know? yes absolutely <laughs> Is it? I believe it's part five where Dom first starts developing superpowers. Is five where which one yeah. does Letty die in, or Letty dies in four? Letty, Letty dies, dies in four. four. Okay, then four is where he starts to because 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 then four is where he develops superpowers because it's where Dom auto all of a sudden for no reason in the plot suddenly discovers that he or not even discovers because he's apparently known all along. Dom has car vision. <laughs> where he's like walking the spot where Letty died and he can just put his thing, his fingers down and he can see through the eyes of the car. It's so bizarre. I'm also just realizing that, you know, we also get a point where like pink Japanese girl car just appears in both franchises. Like I'm I'm just <laughs> they're the same movie. <laughs> That's what I've learned. <laughs> so so what we've resolved is that cars is about family. Cars is like about family. <laughs> elemental is about family you might enjoy it it's, it's very much about family that's what this film's about i don't about, know there's so. no cars there's there's not only are there cars there's chases there's uh, <laughs> it, uh, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's more about the motorcycle than the cars but yeah then no cars exist in their world okay. Motorcycles are in Fast and Furious. I know. Yes, Letty drives a motorcycle in Fast and Furious. I've now seen three and a half cars. Which three have you seen? Fast and the Furious movies. One, two, 
25 minutes of Tokyo Drift and five because I finally like Josh finally like made me sit down and watch five after the last time I we talked about this and I said that they're all so bad referring to one two and I offended Monica forever and I'm like <laughs> she speaks to me and uh, we got Fast and Five from our local library and uh, yeah that that is very different yeah <laughs> and uh, again and, and I think Monica will even admit to this as much as I love those films and I love all of them. Five is the one that's actually a good movie. Yes. Like it's legit. It's legit. Like, oh, we could make a good movie if we wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like, I like 10 a lot. I love 10 a lot because they're, because 10 is, 10 is un, unfettered, you know, unfiltered. You get the full Vin. It's literally like no one's holding him back. He just does whatever he wants. But like, yeah, the yeah, Fast Five is like, no. What if we made a good movie? Just spitball it here. Anyway, we don't need to do another Fast and Furious episode. At least not right now. We we will do more Fast and Furious episodes. It it will come back. In the meantime, Janine, thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks so much for having me. This was a blast. If people want to know more about you or follow you anywhere, is there anything you'd like to plug? Oh, I'm on Instagram at Janine.RTF. That's not like a period. Okay. Yeah. And I'm not on Twitter. So <laughs> that's that. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for joining us in the show notes. Cool. Thanks. Uh, and Monica Marvelous. Uh, unfortunately, you can still be on Twitter because uh, we haven't <laughs> found a thing to replace it with. but um if you'd like to find me on instagram or on twitter that's at monica marvelous um on instagram that is l-o-u-s and on twitter that is l-o-u-x like triple x state of the union I love you, <laughs> <laughs> have you ever watched those movies if, we've no, never talked about actually, them maybe that oh. We should do an episode about that. Please let us know in the comments if you'd like us to do an episode should... about the triple X. Oh, God. <gasps> I, I mean, oh God. see, oh, I have so many things to say. That, may, that might be a whole other show. So, yeah, let us know if you want us to follow to talk about the triple X franchise because triple X is not good. <laughs> it is very much a so much to talk about, like where triple X meets Fast and Furious and how they are different. But anyway, for another time, Palindrome Hannah. You know that I have nothing. Like, you know, go donate to an abortion fund or a food bank if you can afford it and feel moved. But otherwise, I have nothing to plug. (laughs) That's always a good message. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter for now or Instagram or Facebook, all the places always at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show all those same places except Instagram. I'm losing hope, guys. I don't think we're going to get our Instagram back. I still I don't know what we did wrong. I don't know why we were removed. It's very sad. I'm depressed about it all the time. But you can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com where we post about whatever we're going to be talking about next week, or at least sometimes we do. We've been really bad about that lately. We're let's try to pick it up, but you know, it's a struggle. I mean, we, we have we jobs. <laughs> yeah, we, we have jobs and lives and stuff, but you can leave us comments on this or any other show where you can suggest topics. You can tell us your thoughts on what we talked about. You can ask us to go out and watch the triple X movies, which 
are an experience <laughs> and maybe we'll do that we'll see if you enjoy the show and we certainly hope you do then please subscribe to us on itunes or stitcher or spotify or where else you get podcasts from stitcher's going away i'm gonna have to change the outro which i've like sort of memorized and it's gonna it's gonna be some work because stitcher just recently announced that they're pulling the plug so if you are listening to us on stitcher then please by all means Subscribe to us on some other podcatcher that you that you are going to switch to because we really would like to have you keep listening to us. Anyway, do us a favor. Leave us a five-star review. If you leave us a five-star review, especially on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, that boosts the algorithm, makes us more popular, and really helps us out. I would like to thank Maximilian of Thoughtform Music for our epic theme song, building ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd once again like to thank Kenny for joining us. I'd like to thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.